faithwire.com. The situation in Afghanistan has managed to deteriorate. The very latest information coming up, including Vice President Kamala Harris breaking her silence on Afghanistan. Today's Monday, August 23rd, 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and we'll have this story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. We're here daily. We'd love to have you uh, along with us. Joining me today, as always, Trey Goins Phillips from faithwire.com with a look at what's coming up. Happy Monday, Trey. Hey, Dan. Happy Monday to you. So coming up on the podcast today, we're talking about a Hollywood star who says that she's ashamed of Biden's failure in Afghanistan. Those are her words. Uh, Then Australia's COVID meltdown is continuing, uh, which if Mm. you've been following Twitter and social media and what's going on there, that's not really a surprise. Uh, But that comes as uh, U.S. vaccines are getting full FDA approval. Mm. And then a new poll shows that the majority of born-again Christians in the United States between 18 and 39 believe that there are multiple paths to salvation oh boy (laughs) i'm not certain how they figured how they figured that but uh, we'll have the details on on that story there oh gosh looking looking forward to that uh gosh right that logic uh but right now we're gonna (laughs) dive right right into the big story of the day uh the chaos in afghanistan continues to unfold at a rapid pace and so we're going to try to get you up to speed here with the latest today because clearly it's it's the biggest story on the planet uh, right now and here are three things you need to know starting with number one the details Kamala Harris has broken her silence during an appearance alongside Singapore's Prime Minister she was asked what she thinks went wrong with the withdrawal from Afghanistan she said I understand and appreciate why you asked that question and I think There's going to be plenty of time to analyze what's happened and what's taken place in the context of withdrawal. But right now, we're singularly focused on evacuating American citizens, Afghans who work with us, and Afghans who are vulnerable, including women and children. Uh, She was also kind of panned by um, foreign press for saying that she looks uncomfortable talking about foreign policy issues. And that was very clear in the way she... Um, was is handling the responses to that question then it makes america look incompetent and uncaring uh, so about those rescue efforts going on right now a white house official said earlier today uh, that 28 u.s military flights so it's 25 c-17s three c-130s have evacuated approximately 10,400 people from kabul In addition, 61 coalition aircraft evacuated approximately 5,900 people. So there are some getting out since August 14th. The U.S. has evacuated and facilitated approximately 37,000 people. And since the end of July, that number is 42,000. So there are U.S. military flights coming in uh, and attempting to bring supplies while then evacuating people out. Uh, And just now, uh, another effort was reported on. The U.S. military launched another helicopter rescue mission in Kabul. No details there. 169 Americans were rescued by three American uh, Army Chinooks late last week. So there are some positives, but there is a lot of chaos and problems still going on right now. Staff at the U.S. Embassy in Kabul are, quote, deeply disheartened by the botched evacuation efforts in Afghanistan, at least one saying they'd rather die under the Taliban's bullet than be crushed to death at the airport. A stampede of people trying to evacuate 
killed at least seven, including a small two-year-old child who was trampled to death by this panicked crowd. The mom actually spoke to the New York Times and said, my baby was such a brave child. When she heard the gunshots around the airport, she would just yell out, crackers. Um, they had talked about it being firecrackers, and so she would just say, "Fire!" you know, crackers. The woman said her family, her husband, the two-year-old daughter, her disabled parents, three sisters and a cousin had been trying to secure flight out of the country when the crowd just surged toward the gates and she got detached from her daughter. She was desperately searching for her daughter, but then found her lifeless, trampled by the mob. She said, I felt pure terror that I couldn't save her. My heart's bleeding. It was like drowning and trying to hold your baby above the water. Uh, And so the conditions there are dire. And so aside from just human tragedies like that, sanitary issues are a big problem. More than 500 tons of medical supplies and severe malnutrition kits intended to be delivered there had yet to arrive uh, as of this morning uh, because of all the closed commercial flights. And this was according to the World Health Organization. They told that to Reuters. And so those sanitary conditions as a result have become apparently so bad for people inside the airport, which is about 1,200 or so, uh, that uh, a Pentagon spokesperson said they are leaving the perimeter which is essentially going outside of the line of safety and into the danger zone, into behind enemy lines, because things are so bad in the quote-unquote safe zone. And it's not even really safe, obviously. There was a shooting this morning that underscored that fact. Uh, CENTCOM said today that while no U.S. or coalition forces were hurt during that quote-unquote brief exchange of gunfire uh, that happened near a gate at the Kabul, Kabul airport, The incident appeared to begin when an unknown hostile actor fired upon Afghan security forces. Then they fired back and some U.S. and coalition troops fired back as well, leaving one member of the Afghan forces killed by the hostile actor. And so several Afghans were wounded during the exchange while the wounded are being treated at the airfield hospital and are reported to be in stable condition. So a lot going on there. And still the question remains as to where the refugees will go. Well, now the process begins to start filtering some of them here in the United States. The Pentagon said Afghan refugees will be housed at McGuire Air Force Base uh, in New Jersey, in addition to Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, Fort Bliss in Texas, and Fort Lee in Virginia. Though the swift vetting process does have some people uh, concerned about who's getting in. And uh, after those flights left Afghanistan, we already have um, an undisclosed number of Afghan refugees arriving here at Washington Dulles International Airport on Saturday, and they were transported to Northern Virginia. So uh, there are people coming here that have been fleeing that, and they're also going to go other places around the world as well, not just here in America. So uh, so number two here, uh, Trey, it's, it's obviously going so badly in the U.S. Yeah. Even China took a dig at America. They mocked us on social media over the weekend you know, with a tweet about how the Taliban, you know, we went in to fight the Taliban 20 years ago and now and then now the Taliban are taking over now, called America the biggest exporters of instability around the globe. Well, that angle is ironic because for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Taliban just announced that China can contribute to Afghan development. So they've kind of had a little partnership here with China now. And China has been on a mission for years, as we know, to grab ownership and maybe control of resources around the world. And so with the Taliban now sitting on Afghanistan's $1 trillion in in minerals, 
Some call Afghanistan the Saudi Arabia of lithium, so you get an idea of what they're sitting on there. China appears poised to reap massive benefits from this arrangement, which is, again, ironic as they're, you know, pinging America for being exporters of instability around the globe, while America is currently suffering under a pandemic that started in China, and they lied about it, so that allowed it to spread. So very tough to take from China there. So number three, Trey, why does this all matter? I mean, it matters to us as Christians because... Number one, we're called to care about just human suffering. That's just supposed to be where we're supposed to meet people's needs who are in need. We're supposed to be there. And we have to also care about being people of high integrity, keeping our word. And we gave many Afghans our word. And we and we know we don't leave Americans behind. That is something that we always do. And so we know there's Christians trapped there and the Taliban are going door to door, seeking them out. So we've got to be praying. We've also got to be looking for ways to help. I mean, we've talked about Trey Glenn Beck's efforts to fund and transport Af- Afghans out of there, particularly Christians. And so that's one avenue you can pursue. Of course, the mainstream media hasn't really covered on that one. Um, we're yeah. hoping to speak with Glenn sometime this week here on CBN. So uh, but a but a great effort there. But but it matters. I mean, it should matter to Christians for obvious reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to me, it's just kind of hard to stomach that kind of criticism from China. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's plenty of valid criticisms to be had. Like we've talked about them uh, all week. Last week, we're talking about them now. We'll probably keep talking about them for a little while. There are legitimate criticisms to the way the Biden administration pulled us out of Afghanistan, faltering out of Afghanistan. Um, but to to hear this, like this humanitarian kind of drivel from China, is like. You know, I, I don't know. Like you said, they they unleashed COVID and want to still take zero responsibility <laughs> for it, uh, among all kinds of other human rights uh, violations. It's like a laundry list long of things that, that they do or, or don't do. Um, so you know that kind of criticism is just you have to let it just you know kind of go because there's there's really no no validity to it. Um, but yeah, as far as what our responsibility as Christians, I couldn't agree with that more. I think we need to always be praying. That's our our best and first line of defense uh, against this kind of stuff. So as believers, we'd be taking it to God in prayer. And then uh, like Glenn Beck has done and, and so many other organizations like World Help, I know Operation Blessing does stuff around the world, uh, CBN's uh, you know advocacy and missionary arm. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's our responsibility as believers is first to pray and then to where we're able to give and participate in, in helping these people. All right. Story number two. So Angelina Jolie is ashamed of how President Joe Biden handled the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, uh, which is kind of a, a surprising development there. So uh, here are three things you need to know. We'll start uh, number one with the details. So in her first ever Instagram post, the A-list celebrity and humanitarian rebuked the Biden administration for its increasingly chaotic exit from the Middle Eastern country, uh, which has since been, uh, of course, besieged by uh, the Taliban. Uh, so she wrote, it's sickening to watch Afghans being displaced yet again out of fear and uncertainty that has gripped their country to spend so much time and money to have bloodshed and lives lost only to come to this is a failure almost impossible to understand. So for some context, from 2001 until April of this year, the war in Afghanistan has cost American taxpayers some 
2.3 trillion dollars and more than 170,000 people have lost their lives. So Jolie's Instagram post came the same that Time published a column she wrote and in the piece the actor slammed the Biden administration uh, for being for you know abandoning our allies she said and supporting uh, and supporters in the most chaotic imaginable way and she rebuked the president because he seemed to quote have lacked the will to plan this transition in a managed way. She added, our allies are rightly upset, blaming the U.S. for a uh, unilateral withdrawal that missed the opportunity for any coordinated plan to preserve some of the gains made in the country. We have to acknowledge and address these realities uh, if we are to have any hope of learning from this dark moment. So number two, just an observation here. Uh, Oddly, the president doesn't seem to be aware of the criticism from our allies around the world. Uh, On Friday, Biden said that he's seen no question of our credibility from our allies and claimed to have only received praise for his actions in Afghanistan. Chris Wallace at Fox News on Sunday, he told Secretary of Defense Antony Blinken that Biden is flat wrong for saying that, uh, noting that German Chancellor Angela Merkel's uh, likely successor called Biden's withdrawal the biggest debacle that NATO has seen since its foundation and the chairman of the British Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee said it's shameful for Biden to repeatedly blame the Afghan forces for the Taliban takeover. And for what it's worth, Dan, you mentioned this earlier, Jonathan Head, a reporter for the UK's BBC, uh, said that Vice President Harris is not a very experienced or confident foreign policy operative. Uh, She's having to fend off questions about Afghanistan, which makes the US look incompetent and uncaring. Uh, So Blinken, for his part in the interview with Wallace, he excused away any criticism uh, and said it's just because the world is incredibly emotional right now. Uh, And there'll be time to look back later at at mistakes that might have been made. So number three, why does it matter? Look, it's really something to see so much bipartisan criticism, Dan, of Biden's calamitous handling uh, of Afghanistan. But the response from the White House at the same time is completely tone deaf and like detached from what's actually yeah. going on. Uh, it just seems like their their response or their plan uh, is if if they just ignore it long enough, like we said the other day, yeah. they must think that it'll just, just go, go away. away. I, I don't know. Yeah, well, and look, this is what happens when one side of the aisle, as we all know, generally speaking, gets a favorable bent from the media. So Remember, while this was all starting to unfold, here at CBN, I mean, we must have published about 20 reports that I saw come through from our reporters, George Thomas and Gary Lane and others, talking about how the Taliban was taking this town. They were taking this town. They were all this building up. So places like CBN are reporting that reality going on, and so there should be some concern building. Meanwhile, the White House in that buildup, they they had TikTok influencers in the White House yeah. doing these ridiculously jokey, comical uh, influencer type videos. And so that's the mindset of this administration. At least that's how, from a PR standpoint, that's how it comes across. We're focused on making sure we look cool on TikTok. And this is going on over here so and i know you can walk and chew gum at the same time but it's just not a good look and then now when you emerge from the protection of all the TikTok influencers trying to make you look good and you fumble the response this badly there's just no defense for it 
Yeah, and it just that report from Reuters last week uh, essentially said that sources inside the White House are saying that they they think that if they downplay this long enough, uh, it won't be an issue politically on the domestic front. And to me, one, I just disagree with that assessment. It seems like it's going to be pretty detrimental. Uh, And two, um, it's just that shows where their head is at, yes. presumably. Uh, it's like you're you're more concerned about politics than you are about the yeah. looming refugee and humanitarian crisis that is literally unfolding before the world's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, all of these fun sort of narratives that you're working on, that focus all of a sudden goes away and it becomes very apparent that there wasn't much thought put into actual real things happening on the ground versus yeah. hashtags. So. Um, hopefully they can get their act together a little bit here and perhaps rely on the military a little more to be able to lead the way out of this thing. Because again, as we talked about in the first story, so many people need, um, help right now. And, you know, America usually is one of the only hopes in situations like this. So let's hope that, uh, that, that it all works out. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's go into a story number three here. The FDA granted Pfizer and BioNTech full U.S. approval of their COVID-19 vaccine. Some say this may be the push fence sitters need to go get the vaccine. Others believe it may embolden more businesses to mandate that their employees and that maybe even customers get the vaccine in order to do business at their at their place, uh, their establishment. So Full approval is, quote, more psychological than anything else, according to Dr. Paul Offit, who's a voting member of uh, the agency's Vaccine and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. That's a mouthful. Uh, (laughs) And he says, I mean, you already have more than 320 million doses administered that are out there. The vaccines already have an enormous safety and efficacy profile. So major companies from Walt Disney to Walmart, they've already told some of their or all of their employees that they must get fully vaccinated against COVID this fall. The Pentagon said it would make vaccinations mandatory for service members no later than the middle of September or sooner if the FDA grants full approval. So obviously they have done that. Fauci had predicted uh, earlier this month, quote, you're going to see the empowerment of local enterprises giving mandates that could be colleges, it could be universities, places of business, a whole variety And I strongly support that. The time has come. We've got to go the extra step to get people vaccinated. So that was Fauci. Uh, And so number two here, Trey, on this story, uh, there's a couple other interesting vaccine-related items. The the FDA approval, obviously a big, huge deal right now. That's something that a lot of people, like they said, skeptics have been on the fence about. And that's one of the things they cite. Well, it's not fully approved. Well, now it is. So we'll see if that has an impact on vaccination rates. But another angle here is former um, President Donald Trump spoke this weekend at a rally and he told people to get the vaccine and that he had gotten it. And media picked up on a specific angle of this of this clip. I want to I want to play this clip and I'll tell you what the media did. Um, So check it out. I believe totally in your freedoms. I do. You got to do what you have to do. But I recommend take the vaccines. I did it. It's good. Take the vaccines. But you got... No, that's okay. That's all right. You got your freedoms. But I happen to take the vaccine. If it doesn't work, you'll be the first to know. Okay? (laughs) So a couple people kind of jeered when he said that. 
But the big headline today on CNN was the crowd boos as Trump as Trump talks about getting the vaccine, which, again, you have to watch what the media is trying to do to you. They they don't want to just say to Trump, hey, congrats, you know, applaud Trump for something that they have been largely pushing for, for people to get the vaccine. Instead of doing that, they look for the negative. Oh, there was some people, a couple of people that booed. It wasn't a loud boo. There was a handful of people there that kind of jeered it. Right. And he just brushed it off in usual uh, Trump fashion. But then, but then listen to this. This is the one that really got me in that same CNN clip that they, that they were reacting to this from Trump. Listen to what they say. But he's also kind of contradicting what Ron DeSantis is going out there saying. And so it is to an extent going to be interesting to see how that message plays out, whether or not the this difference in President Trump insisting that people, you know, go get vaccinated. It's a good thing versus Ron DeSantis who's saying, you know, everyone is free to do what they want and kind of pushing more for the freedoms of it. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and who kind of comes out on top in this debate. (laughs) And so notice what they did there, the sleight of hand saying that Mm. pitting Trump and DeSantis against each other. Well, what is DeSantis? Is is DeSantis against vaccines? Well, quite the opposite. He's against mandate, yes. But listen to what DeSantis has said on vaccines just last month. He said, so here's, I think, the most important thing with the data. If you're vaccinated, fully vaccinated, the chance of you getting seriously ill or dying from COVID is effectively zero. If you look at the people who are in the hospitals, over 95% of them are either not fully vaccinated or not vaccinated at all. These vaccines are saving lives. They are reducing mortality. So that's his actual message. CNN doesn't want you to believe your own ears. Those are the exact same opinions. Trump saying, go get the vaccine. DeSantis saying, hey, look at this vaccine. It's doing great. And But CNN wants to divide you and wants to divide Trump. And they, you know, it's, a, it's all a narrative. They want to see, they think DeSantis is a threat. Uh, to run for president, and so trying to set up some sort of fight there when there was really that's a nothing burger. It's absolutely nothing there. Both of them yeah. have supported the vaccine. Obviously, DeSantis against mandates. So, observation number three here, Trey. Why does it matter? It matters because the truth matters. You got to be able to spot when you're being used by the media and when people are trying to manipulate your viewpoints, your emotion, maybe your anger, and what frustrates you. So, you also got to look at what's happening in Australia right now and massive protests happening authorities pepper spraying teens authorities arresting people for going outside this is what they actually said today going outside their home without a good excuse was what why (laughs) authorities were actually arresting a lot of the people out there in in australia right now and so um as christians we got to care about this because are we truly loving our neighbor if we're not advocating for their freedoms uh, I, there's yeah. an argument to be made that, yes, if you're allowing people to live the way they would choose to live their life, then, yes, you are loving your neighbor. So there's two sides of the love thy neighbor coin. It, it's not only a one-sided argument. You get vaxxed or you don't love them. So um, so for all of these reasons, it matters. Uh, and we're just, again, can, I think just continue to see this debate rage on. And just uh, what an absolutely 
ridiculous thing for CNN to be saying about DeSantis. I mean, so early on when, uh, you know, way back eons ago when the vaccine was first being rolled out um, and the CDC was kind of playing woke games with who should, you know, social justice games with who should be able to get it and Mm -hmm. who shouldn't, when obviously the science was pointing to give it to the elderly. Uh, But that was not the CDC's initial recommendation, if y'all remember. Uh, The CDC's initial recommendation was to give it to minority, low income, the yada, 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 you know, regardless of age. Um, so, but DeSantis bucked back against that because he thought the vaccine was so effective. He said, I'm only going to give it specifically to the elderly. And he was asked several times by reporters early on why he hadn't taken the vaccine yet. And he said, because I'm young and I'm healthy, I want the older people who are vulnerable to get it first. I'll get it at some point. Uh, but my point in that is that from day one, he has been a huge advocate for vaccines. Yeah. But the reason he has a bullet, uh, you know, a, a, a target on his back is because he's, like you said, Dan, he's never been pro-mandate. So yeah. that they're kind of one in the same with the media. Yeah. If you're opposed to the mandate, that must mean you're opposed to vaccines. <laughs> of course. But anybody who does a quick Google search can see that that is just 110% not the truth with DeSantis. He has been out there promoting vaccination since day one. Uh, And two, the vaccine hesitancy thing is not just one-sided like the media wants you to think. Hawk Newsom, he's one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement from New York City, one of the most prominent and the most radical. Uh, So he's he's a, a leader in the Black Lives Matter movement, very progressive guy. He talked to the New York Times last week about why he is not vaccinated and doesn't plan to get vaccinated. Mm. Uh, so this is not a one-sided thing. I'm not trying to point a finger at him any more right. than the, the media should be pointing a finger at conservatives. My point is, is that all kinds of people have all kinds of reasons for not getting vaccines. So I wish the media would stop turning just this nondescript conservative person into a, the boogeyman because I think it's a bit more <laughs> complex than that. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, also more complex are these views that you teased at the top of the show here, Trey, <laughs> that I am dying to hear. So here it is without further ado. Yes, yeah, story number four. So a new survey found them that a majority of young born-again Christians in America believe there are many ways to salvation. Oh, it's going to make Not my head hurt. Not certain how in the world uh, they came to that conclusion, but... I digress. So we'll start number one (laughs) with the details. Uh, So according to the results of the Religious Views and Practices Survey, which was released by Probe Ministries, more than 60% of respondents identified as pluralists, meaning they believe that Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus all teach valid ways uh, to salvation and to right relationship with God. Uh, The study, which interviewed 3,100 Americans last year, ranging in ages from 18 to 55, also saw a drop in basic biblical worldview, which they describe as an understanding of God's attributes, a belief in the accuracy of the Bible, and an understanding of salvation and Jesus's sinless life. That number was 25% in 2020, which is down from 47% in 2010, which still at that 2010 number is not that high. Uh, So Kirby Anderson, the president of Probe Ministries, uh, said the survey shows even Christians can have a false view of Jesus Christ and embrace a pluralistic worldview. Uh, couldn't agree with Kirby there more. Uh, that definitely <laughs> seems like Christians yeah. are capable of having an invalid so. view. Uh, so, number two. So, while the media certainly is increasingly hostile toward Christianity, I think a great deal of the problem is also coming from within Christianity. 
uh, particularly as more seeker-friendly mm. type churches and influencers. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking like the social media influencers who are Christians but but are kind of wishy-washy on on certain things, all because they want to be inclusive, which yeah. we've seen that turn into inclusivity to a fault, I think. Yep. Uh, Anderson said, these disturbing trends are due to pastors not co- consistently teaching biblical theory, but they can also be attributed to young Christians who are not paying attention, who are focused nearly exclusively, it seems, on their phones, social media, and other content they deem more compelling uh, than their faith. So number three, why does it matter? Like, I think for me, the most deceptive thing is rarely the one that's the obvious lie. Uh, or you know, the thing that's an obvious bad decision. Uh, it's the one that has just enough of the right thing in it or just enough truth in it that it <laughs> feels like it's what I need to say, do, or believe. So as Christians, I think we need to push back against that because clarity, spoken in love, is what com- what's compassionate. Yeah. Uh, fuzzy truth isn't truth at all, and I think that's, that's the unfortunate trap we've put ourselves in with the seeker-friendly and inclusivity stuff is we've watered down the truth so it's pretty blurry, and I, I don't think that's compassionate, uh, and it's certainly not winning anybody to Christ. Yeah, no, 100%. And, I mean, the, the, you nailed it there talking about the feelings and, and the fuzzy yeah. truths. Read your Bible and, um, and just... Look, it doesn't take much more than a quick Google to look at some verses that come up. You know, John 14, 6, obviously, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I mean, Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. So, I mean, you can go on and on. There's dozens of verses that, that speak to Christ being the only way and Christ being our salvation. And if you read your Bible, there's no, it doesn't point to anything else. So so if you're reading yeah. your Bible, I don't know how you get there unless, as you kind of alluded to there, unless you're following your feelings, unless you're, well, yeah, that's true. You know, how, how it's arrogant of me to pretend to know. And, and those are the sorts of subtle little lies that you're talking about that kind of creep in that then allow you to veer off, off path. Yeah. And, you know, I think scripture says that God's word doesn't return void. Yeah. Uh, and I had an RA and I went to Liberty University and one of my RAs was not a Christian growing up. In fact, he was like completely turned off to the idea of God, didn't believe he existed. He said, and then uh, it was his grandma, I believe is what he told me, who was the one Christian in his family. And she gave him a Bible and he said, I just literally started reading the New mm-hmm. Testament. Uh, and he said, that was what convinced me. That was why I became a Christian. He said, God just met me where I was in scripture and spoke to me rather than listening to all these these <laughs> right. confusing people online. Yeah. He said, it was just me and scripture that exposed the truth to me. So like you said, Dan, I think that's spot on. Just open up your Bible and go to people you trust, people who you know uh, are solid in their faith. Uh, and they can they can point you in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, but first and foremost, go to scripture and go to God in prayer. Definitely. And if you're doing a, by the way, if you're doing a you know mentorship with somebody or somebody asks you and they want to go, get them the Gospel of John. Just get yeah. them the Gospel of John and go right through that because obviously it focuses on um, Christ as who He is, as um, our Savior, as um, you know our God, and so. Uh, He makes that case in there, and so you'll see it clearly uh, if you start there. So, all right, we're out of time for today. God bless. We will be back here tomorrow. As always, head on over to faithwire.com, cbnnews.com for a daily visit. God bless.